and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton Studio. I'm Darren Hefty. And I'm Brian Hefty. Thanks for joining us. Today on the show, we're going to talk a little about corn leaf diseases and fungicide use as well. Now, if you raise a different crop than corn, you might not be facing these exact diseases, but the premise is still basically the same, and that's this. You have to do something before that disease takes over in your field. There's no great rescue from any disease in any crop. I don't care what it is. So you have to look at the preventative measures, whether that's fungicide, uh, just the variety tolerance you have, or other cultural practices. So we're going to talk about those things throughout the show today. If you've got any questions for us, you can certainly give us a call, 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. You could also email us, radio at agphd.com, or send us a note on Twitter, agphdmedia, Darren Hefty, or Brian Hefty. All right, so with these corn leaf diseases, probably the one that's gotten the most talk, and I'm we're going to go through it a bunch yet today, uh, the most talk here in the last couple of years has been tar spot. We've heard lots of terrible reports. 40 to 60 bushel yield losses are common. And we do know of people who've lost over 100 bushels per acre because of tar spot. It is a newer disease in the United States. We've only seen it for about 10 years or so. Uh, Maybe not quite that, but I mean, it, it hasn't been very long. Fortunately, in South Dakota, anybody that has spotted it, it's been super late in the year. And so no one that I know of has had to spray in South Dakota yet. But we are just fearful that this disease is going to continue to spread. Now, you might say, hey, I just looked at the recent drought monitor map, and it's telling me that basically the entire Midwestern United States is in drought right now. Yep, you're right. (laughs) So... Is there more or less chance for disease this year? Well, there's definitely less at this point. But the thing is, we got a long ways to go in the growing season. I don't care what crop it is uh, in the Midwestern United States, whether it's corn or beans, um, and even some of the other crops that are being raised. Now, sure, if it was winter wheat and you're going to harvest in a month, okay, then you know, you may not have anything coming in for disease yet if you're in a drought area. Uh, We have oats, for example, that we're going to be cutting here in a month or maybe a little bit less. I'm not super worried about going out with some late treatment right now because we've had almost no rain really since last fall. So uh, there there is that. Now, I I guess part of the reason why we wanted to talk about this today is just so you understand, don't get down because today your corn might be rolled up a little bit from hot, dry weather. Ours is on quite a few of our acres, but I'm still expecting we're going to end up spraying fungicide at some point in this crop season. Now, we might not, but here's the whole thing. I'd rather be prepared and then not do it at the last minute than the other way, not be prepared, and all of a sudden we start getting rain for a few days and you go, you know, this crop looks pretty good and I just sold a bunch for a really good price. Maybe I should treat with a fungicide. We'd, we'd rather have you prepare, do your homework, get ready to go. There there are certain fungicides you want to use on specific diseases and so on. So anyway, we'll talk about that throughout the show. But right now, let's get to the Ag PhD Mailbag. It's now mailbag time with Brian and Darren. All right, Brian. First question comes from the state of Michigan. 
And this one is from Adam. He said, I'm a young beginning farmer up here in Michigan. Love your show. I've got a field of enlist soybeans that have a fair amount of Canada thistle. Now, pre-emerge, we had put out uh, some products pre-plant, but lack of rain seems to have reduced the impact of those pre's. I have sprayed once post-emerge with just Roundup, and it did pretty well in the thistle, but it seemed to be a little bit hit and miss. What would you suggest for my next pass? Also, I'd like to do something with residual, but we don't have any rain in the forecast for the next 15 days. I'm starting to wonder if it's even worth it. With lack of rain, I don't know when we're going to reach canopy. I plan on following these beans with winter wheat this fall. Interesting that he he phrased it that way because he said, don't see rain in the forecast, but I don't know if the beans are going to reach canopy. Okay, you see we've got two conflicting things here. All right, so what I'm talking about with the residual thing, and we'll, we'll solve your Canada thistle problem real fast here in a second, but with the residual, would I still put some out? I probably would, but I also don't know what you have for pre-residual that was already put out there. So in other words, if you already had a good pre, your fields look pretty clean, um, I might just skip it. Okay, but there are a lot of people that don't have any kind of pre or very little pre, and then they're throwing some residual out, figuring, all right, well, whenever we do get rain, then that residual is going to kick in. So a lot of these products will hang on for a long time. So a lot of people are using Warrant, for example, or Outlook or Zidua or something like that. You don't have to worry all that much. And here's the next thing you got to understand. Please don't ever look at a forecast beyond seven days. Because if you talk to the National Weather Service, they're going to basically tell you, and the reason why we only come with, National Weather Service, I'm saying, a forecast for seven days is because that's all we can predict. At seven days out, we're basically 50-50. So in other words, you can get anybody's forecast for 15 days, 30 days. They have no idea. You know just as well as they do. Okay, So please don't take 15-day forecasts as gospel. Anyway, I, I would just say, yeah, if you want to throw some residual out, fine. Okay, let's come back to your Canada thistle thing. Here's the reason why they didn't die. You didn't use a high enough rate. Or maybe you used too much water. Uh, so we don't like 20 gallons of water with Roundup. We like 10 gallons or less. And you need to use the full rate, which is, in soybeans, 40 ounces of the new Power Max 3, uh, 44 ounces of the old Power Max. That'd be, let's see, 64 ounces of old 4-pound generic if you are using that. But you've got to use the full rate with Roundup if you are after Canada Thistle. So for your next shot, what would I do? I would go with the full rate of Roundup because if you only used, let's say, the half rate, then you should be fine to use the full rate and legally uh, you haven't exceeded the label. But check the label, make sure you're not doing anything off-label, but that's what you should do, and then you'll be in good shape. We're going to talk about corn leaf diseases and fungicides and take your questions too on today's Ag PhD radio show. Stay tuned. It takes balance to be successful in farming because what you get out of it depends on what you put in. And Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us.
When it comes to protecting your field from disease and environmental stress, there's Revitech fungicide. <laughs> and there's everything else. When it comes to unparalleled power, there's Revitech. <laughs> and everything else. And when it comes to speed and stamina, this is Revitech. And this is everything else. Nothing else comes close to Revitech fungicide from BASF. Always read and follow label directions. At Ag PhD, we're always looking for ways to support the ag industry. That's why at our free Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event, we're giving away more than 100 college scholarships. Plus, we'll head out into the field for hands-on agronomy sessions, including our comprehensive guide to crop scouting. This day may be geared towards younger farmers, but whether you're a college student or just want good agronomy info, this is one event you won't want to miss. Learn more and register for the Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event at agphd.com. Get uniform control in your fields with trusted, hard-working Lucinto fungicide. Control the toughest diseases with a dual-mode-of-action fungicide that consistently outperforms the competition and field trials. Lucinto fungicide from FMC works overtime for lasting control to help improve crop yields. Talk about getting the job done. Visit your FMC retailer or lucinto.ag.fmc.com for hard-working control in your fields. Always read and follow all label directions. Back, you're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We're broadcasting from the Morton studio today, talking about corn leaf diseases and fungicide use. We're also taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD, or you can always email us, radio at agphd.com. Start off the show here with Kim Tudor from BASF. Kim, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Corn leaf diseases, we're not seeing anything yet out in our fields, but it's it's nice and hot out there, humid. There's some areas getting some nice rainfall. We know that it's coming eventually here. Uh, what are some of the key ones that you're talking about right now in corn, and, and what should growers prepare for heading into the season? Sure. So I, I think you hit the nail on the head. You know, I think across a lot of the Midwest, things are really hot. They're really dry right now. Folks are even questioning whether or not they should apply a fungicide, and then you know, in other, other spots where they're catching a rain here or there, um, you know, folks are keeping things like gray leaf spot, uh, northern corn leaf blight, um, but probably most importantly, tar spot is top of mind for a lot of people. Um, you know, tar spot is one of those that came in for the first time in the U.S. back in 2015. It, we know it's now spread to at least 14 states, probably more so than that. Um, and, I, and I think to your point, the challenge is we know it's spreading, right? So we have the pathogen. I kind of go back to that disease triangle. We've got the pathogen. We've got the host. A bunch of people planting corn. Prices are good. Uh, and really now it's a question of whether or not environmental conditions are going to be ripe. Yeah, you're exactly right. You hit you hit the two situations right on the head there, hot and dry. So for the guys in the hot and dry area, I'm still hearing a lot of talk about fungicide use. We've seen some differences in terms of plant health, and and I know uh, at BSF that's that's probably the first thing you talk about every day, right? Is wow, there really are plant health benefits, and they come into play on years that are hot and dry. Absolutely. So when we talk about a BASF plant health fungicide, you know, any any fungicide that's worth its weight 
is going to control disease. That, that's, that's table stakes. If a fungicide doesn't control disease, it's not doing anybody any good, right? But when we talk about BASF plant health specifically, we're talking about three things. So we're talking about that proven disease performance, but we're also talking about improved growth efficiency, so increasing that nitrogen assimilation, which increases net photosynthesis and ultimately drives yield. But to your point, what a lot of people are experiencing this year, we're talking about that increased environmental stress tolerance. So stress can come in any form. We know we're always going to have stress every year. I, you know, the old saying is, is um, only two things in life that are guaranteed are death and taxes. But I'd like to add stress as well. <laughs> for stress sure, for you. sure. going to hit you one, one way or the other. It may be drought. It may be heat. It could be hail. It could be wind. But in terms of environmental stress tolerance, BASF plant health fungicides are going to really help reduce that ethylene production. Uh, in layman's terms, ethylene is basically a plant hormone that when those plants start to undergo stress, it begins to emit ethylene, and it communicates to that plant, hey, we need to start to shut down, and we really need to go into reproductive mode. So you're cutting a lot of that vegetative growth really short um, and, and sort of stunting your, your yield potential. Um, but it, our products also allow those stomata, which uh, we like to think of stomata on plants as sort of like the pores in your skin. It allows those stomata to stay open and allow for that better gas exchange, which is ultimately gay going to keep those plants cooler. Um, in the case of corn, you know, I think there's a, a an old adage also, I mean, I, I mentioned it earlier when I was driving down the road, it looks like we're growing pineapples this year. You know, there's a lot of corn that's rolled up. And so those BASF plant health products keep those stomata open, keep those canopies cooler, and keep that crop looking like corn and not like pineapples. Hey, one last thing. You mentioned tar spot here to, to start off, and, and that is certainly a hot topic. But one surprising fungicide that's working pretty good is headline. And I know a lot of times people say, well, headline's one of my multi-mode of action fungus. I'm going to put that into a multi-mode of action approach. And, and we do recommend that. That's always the best. Mm -hmm. But even those those straight strobes have done okay on tar spot. That's, that's kind of neat. Yeah, so uh, the active ingredient in, in headline fungicide is F500. Um, it's an incredible product. Um, you know, it's one that's been around uh, for a little while, but again, it's, it's done so incredibly well across a multitude of crops. It, our research has shown in terms of tar spot specifically, um, our, our latest innovation, Veltima fungicide, is the one that really, really knocks the ball sure. out of the park. So you're going to get that. Uh, fast uh, leaf absorption, um, that strong binding potential within the plant, um, and you're also going to get that preventative and that curative activity with Veltima as well. So that would be the, the product that we would recommend should you find yourself, um, whether you're battling environmental stresses or even if you're in an area where, where you're dealing with tar spot or other problematic diseases. It's, it's truly a stellar product, um, has an incredibly long amount of, of residual disease control. Well, you mentioned tar spots already in 14 states, probably even more. So it's definitely going to be uh, at the top of many growers' selections, no doubt about that, uh, picking the right products for tar spot. Uh, speaking with Kim Tudor here with BASF. Kim, thank you so much. You had a lot of great stuff there. Really appreciate having you on. Thank you. Let's uh, jump over. we got Adam Byrne on right now with FMC. How you doing, Adam? Good. How are you? 
pretty good. Pretty good. You know, one of the things that, that was interesting this year, speaking of tar spot, is what happened with your pre-emerge treatment, your planning time treatment, that, that you're noticing even a little bit of suppression on tar spot. Not total cure, and I'm not going to try and put you on the hook here, but uh, <laughs> growers were noticing this last year. We had a number of calls from growers really all across the upper Midwest saying, hey, where I used Zyway, I had a little less tar spot out there. Yeah, so Zyway, I think one of the things we've got going for us with Zyway is there's a, there's a lot of, you know, plant benefits to Zyway. There's a lot of water translocation, just healthier plant going into that tar spot season. And I think that's what we're seeing is Zyway by no means is going to give you a season-long control against tar spot. Tar spot comes in late in the season, and it's just, it's, it's just not the product that's going to do that. But we were seeing suppression. We are seeing some kind of delay in that infection period for tar spot. And, and most likely it's due to just having a healthier, less stressed plant going into that season and giving a little bit more ability to fight off that early infection. Well, if we don't have early infection, we've got a healthier plant and it's got a better chance to, to fight off something like tar spot. And it gives us a chance to get in there with a mid-season, I'll call it application of fungicide to try to keep things clean. Once we get that ear leaf out, and we've got that in a lot of cases now, we're, we're seeing guys with pictures of shoulder high corn, it's time to get going with fungicides. And when you think about tar spot, gray leaf spot, northern corn leaf blight, we need to get good coverage with those products to protect as many leaves as we can. That's right. And so, you know, obviously one of the challenges we have in a lot of these areas this year is drought conditions. So that kind of changes the the, the approach or the plan to how you attack these early fungicide applications. But now when you start getting into when that ear leaf is, is, is visible or present, um, getting good coverage in some of those, you know, V10 to VT applications, those early you know, well, late vegetative uh, applications can be can be beneficial. Um, and, you know, for tar spot, though, if you have that health going in, like we said, then you do have some of that flexibility for later applications if you don't have the disease conditions early, like in drought conditions for things like gray leaf spots. So it's really going to come down to your local conditions and your crop history and field history with diseases in those areas, how you would approach which ones you're going to, you know, target for early applications or not. You know, scouting with leaf diseases, it seems like once you're seeing it show up, you're too late and you've got to get out there ahead of time. It really depends on what you have for equipment. For for growers who don't have the equipment to get out there in really tall crop, getting that application lined up with an aerial applicator is really critical. And those guys, from what I hear around sure. the country, are getting booked up. Yeah, that's that's a challenge. I think in, in most regions and, you know, going like last year, we went into a, a year where the previous year tar spot was a big problem. And so everybody booked their airplane flights and their aerial applications. And then we didn't quite have the pressure last year that the, the previous year had. And that came down to, you know, a drier year, less leaf wetness periods. Um, so, you know, in those situations, that's another reason why we t go circling back on Zyway. Zyway is a great product for growers to consider is, getting something in the plant at the beginning, that inside-out protection with something that can give you some season-long control against some of those things like gray leaf spot, northern corn leaf blight, um, especially if you don't have the flexibility to come in and do your own application. Yeah, absolutely. No doubt about that. Hey, Adam, thank you so much. We really appreciate having you on. Stay tuned. When it comes to cereal disease protection, Prosaro Pro 400 SC fungicide from Bayer makes all the difference. 
with three effective active ingredients for overlapping control of foliar and head diseases and a flexible application window for head scab. It's formulated to lower dawn, protect yield potential, and promote superior grain quality. Prosaro Pro, the future of plant health starts here. Visit prosaropro.com to learn more. Always read and follow grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. Precision crop nutrition pays. And AgroLiquid has precisely what it takes to help you succeed. The right products plus the right expertise to give you guidance based on your soils, your fields, and your goals. While our clean, seed-safe formulations and lower application rates make planter fertilizer easier than ever. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. You won't want to miss this year's Ag PhD Field Day. I'm Darren Hefty. Each summer on the last Thursday in July, we open up our farm to you so you can learn more ways to improve your farm. And the Ag PhD Field Day just keeps getting bigger and better. This year, we're featuring guided tours of our extensive research plots, world premieres of the latest ag technologies, numerous panels of the highest yielding farmers on the planet, and more equipment running in our demo area than we've ever had before. We'll also have great family entertainment, including a kid's area, music, fantastic guest speakers, and food and drinks available all throughout the day. But the best part is everything is free. We know that you're busy and your time is valuable. That's why we do everything we can to make sure the Ag PhD Field Day is a very worthwhile investment of your time. So please, go to agphd.com to learn more, and be sure to register to join us at this year's Ag PhD Field Day, Thursday, July 27th. Morton Buildings has served the American farmer for more than 120 years. From manufacturing our own building components to constructing your building, Morton takes pride in being the industry leader in post-frame construction by providing a quality building and exceptional customer service. A Morton is built to last for generations. To get started on your next project, please visit mortonbuildings.com. Your ripper is likely leaving 40% of the subsoil undisturbed. Hi, Greg Souter from 360 Yield Center. Dig behind your ripper and you'll see compacted mounds of soil left between the shanks. Traditional points just can't fracture the complete soil profile. 360 bullet ripper points are berm busters. The bullet's wide 14 inch wing shatters the full soil profile for better water infiltration and root access to nutrients. Get the full story at 360yieldcenter.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, and we're not jinxing anything here, but we are talking about corn leaf diseases. Maybe if we just talk about corn leaf diseases, they just won't happen. That would be great. Our, our last guest there, Adam Byrne, was saying, you know, guys booked aerial application in record numbers, and then guess what? We didn't have as much disease. Awesome. If that's what it takes to keep it out of our fields, I'm all for it. Well, one area that we're always concerned about getting some disease in corn is over in central Illinois. We've got Blake Miller with us. He works with Syngenta over there. Blake, what are you guys thinking this year? Is it looking like it could be a bad tar spot year, or are you thinking this might be the year you luck out? Yeah, that's a great question. Right now, we're just so dry that plant pathogens probably aren't foremost at the mind right now, honestly. Um, that's always a threat, however. But uh, we're, we're in, a, as you're probably well aware, a 
a significant dry to drought type condition at this point. You know, it, it's one of those things where we, we're in the same boat and we're thinking, okay, maybe we'll get it, maybe we'll get it, and we just keep missing the rain. And I know you guys are in the same boat there. Uh, but when it does come, it could come just at the wrong time. And, and with some things like corn leaf diseases, if, okay, the rain comes and now the disease pops up, it's too late. we got to plan ahead. Uh, but we're also looking at plants that are struggling out there and anything we can do to improve plant health, well, that's that's a good deal too. Yeah, I believe that. I, I believe that you know you need to be focused in two areas. What could happen during the fill period with diseases, right, as we get to that point. But now it's about abiotic stress management, right? How can I preserve moisture in the plant, relax, keep the plant relaxed and focused on growth? And, and those things can be achieved with products like Mervis Neo and Trivapro, as you know. And and I, I was looking at some research, you know, when you go back to 2012 and there, we're getting to a point where many listeners haven't experienced that, but, uh, you know, we were using products like Quilled Excel and in that year, large scale data was 4.14, excuse me, 0.6 bushel return in 12 on an average return over from say 2008 or nine to, to 13 was about 16. So there was a significant return in a non-disease year from the uh, application of a fungicide. And you really need to be mindful of that. And then what you shared, uh, this is information from Decatur, Illinois last year, June about eight tenths, July 1.5 inches, August 11 inches of rain. So if we would start to get that type of rainfall to your earlier point, we could really drive diseases like tar spots. So taking that proactive approach and making a late vegetative app or your VTR1 apps are really critical to protect the yield that's out there because of the unknown. We don't know what's going to happen the rest of the growing season. Well, you mentioned Quilt Excel, and that's a great uh, comparison. You're looking at a uh, two mode of action product and now adding that third mode of action in with an SDHI. And you got a couple good ones there in your Miravis Neo and your Trivapro products. Uh, that has really helped. Uh, one of the one of the debates that that growers have had too is which product to use. If you're in an area that's had tar spot and you've got a history, uh, which of those two do you pick? And then if you say no, gray leaf spot's my biggest problem in my area. I don't even have tar spot. Which one do you pick? It's a great question. So tar spot, I'm going to go to Miravis Neo right away. And, and with gray as well. Now, if I'm in the southern part of Illinois or Missouri down there and southern rust is an issue, that's typically where I split and say Trivopro with the Salatinol as the SDHI is probably your superior product. And that's kind of how I split them from that standpoint. So it's, it's really about where you're at and is southern rust a risk, uh, which product I would use. But that's a great question. Thank you. Okay. Now, the other question that I've had is we're in a drought year. Do you feel like you're getting more residual control or does the residual last about the same time? Because there's been kind of a debate out there. Is it breaking down from sunlight? Is it just getting washed off from moisture? What really controls that residual factor on fungicides? That's a great point. You know, so you referenced the new SDHIs. They they actually uh, prefer fatty tissue, okay? So they, they kind of they get in the plant and they get locked 
in in, a, in an area where they're not exposed to sunlight degradation. But as they move then into the xylem fluids, like all fungicides do for activity, that's when you can get degradation within the plant, dilution from growth, all of those types of things. So that family specifically, depending on how it's formulated and its affinities, not to get in the weeds, does provide long residual regardless of the environment. You know, that that's that would be the reason as a grower I would want something with an SDHI in it now, just from from the physical properties attributes that are superior to typically typical strobes or or triazoles. Yeah, it makes a big difference, and we're seeing a nice benefit out of these three mode of action products. Uh, we're talking Good. with Blake Miller here with Syngenta over in the state of Iowa. Well, Blake, uh, we hope we get some rain here, and we hope you guys do as well. If we get some, we'll send it along. All right, appreciate it. Thank you. You bet. Got Kevin Matthews on with us right now with the Extreme Ag Group. He farms down in the state of North Carolina. All right, what's what's your season turning out like, Kevin? Oh goodness, it's different for sure. We're we're um, not even put the irrigation pumps in. Usually we're a full full stream, just wide open irrigating right now. Calling for two to four inches this week, possibly floods. We don't want no floods, but um, probably going to have to replant a little bit of river bottom corn. Actually, uh, Darren, as late as it is, but we we will do it if we're able. It's going to depend on what this rain does. Yeah, it's it's just a tale of of two completely <laughs> different growing seasons, and you know when you're catching all that rain, we're we're hitting right on the money here with corn leaf diseases. That's got to be a big concern. Oh, absolutely. We got corn that's in the big top right now, so we'll have tassels coming out uh, pretty pretty soon. Uh, more than likely, I have to put drones in the air to put the fungicide on because the ground's going to be too wet for our uh, haggy and our new holland to get in there and you know we, we got to be proactive we want to get it on early and uh, thank goodness we got drone technology and and different fungicide products you know as i weigh different things that we can put up front to try to keep a safe healthy crop you mentioned the drones have you done the drone application before and if so what's been your experience okay so this will be our first year doing it uh it's been uh, we've been to several different functions watching field days watching guys and you know they they finally getting some decent drones as far as price wise um carrying capacity coverage and uh, so one of our neighbors he got out he was actually a highway patrol uh drone pilot where he done crash scenes and he has got his spray license now and he will be doing the spray enforce and so they bought him a dgi uh drone be running it this year and it's it's kind of all new darren so i really i guess i'm not really qualified to give a lot of details <laughs> well you're gonna be a lot of paperwork you're gonna be the expert after this kevin you know glenn is going to be calling you trying to pick your brain uh, if you're interested in the drone technology i strongly urge you to get started now it's a lot to getting approved to be able to spray with that drone and um but it is a it's a great opportunity and you know, this weather event we got right now, this is the perfect scenario while we, we've really been proactive to try to get this technology so we could use it. Uh, you get some rough ground around North Carolina with hills and trees and small fields and things like that. It, it could sure be a, a huge asset if, if that worked out well. Yep, yep. 
Well, and not to mention neighbors. Lots and lots of neighbors around the farm too, which oh, can be a little bit of a challenge. Yep, and you know, and when we're spraying fungicides, it's it's such a safe product to use. And you know, when you're doing it with a drone, it's it's just a lot quieter. People don't realize what's going on, and and quite frankly, they're just so you know in awe over watching the drone fly. So that'll that generally helps us some yeah yeah that's not a bad deal at all well kevin good luck to you guys hopefully uh like you say hopefully if there's any flooding hopefully that's minimized but uh glad glad somebody's getting the rain and probably have a great crop coming too thanks for thanks for talking to us today things look really good on the upland but i use a long way to the finish line a lot can happen yeah, yeah, that's for sure. Right in the middle of the season. That's why we're talking about these corn leaf diseases and fungicides today and talking to great farmers like Kevin there to get some good advice. We'll talk more about this. We'll also take your phone calls and questions coming up later in the show. Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com. Get more points with the end zone from Farm Shop MFG. In a 20,000 bushel bin full of corn, gaining three points of moisture adds the equivalent of 1,000 bushels to your bottom line. Call 712-520-6051. When I step on someone's farm, I feel like I've already walked a mile in their shoes. I spin spring on the tractor and fall in the combine. I see the excitement in my kids' eyes on our farm, but worry if there's enough of it for all of them. I make sure everything Case IH makes meets the challenges farmers face, because I face them too. My name is Ryan, I am a farmer, and I work at Case IH. Case IH, built by farmers. Here at Ag PhD, we're always looking for ways to support the ag industry. That's why at our free Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event Saturday, June 24th, we're giving away more than 100 college scholarships. Join us as we head into the field for hands-on sessions covering everything from how to pull soil and plant tissue tests, ways to improve crop health, the importance of microbiology and farming, and much more. Plus, in our comprehensive guide to crop scouting, we'll explore both above and below ground in a variety of crops as we diagnose problems with insects, weeds, diseases, and anything else we may find. As we're giving away tens of thousands of dollars in scholarships to eligible attendees, this day is geared more towards students and young farmers. But anyone with the desire to learn more about agronomy is more than welcome. So whether you're a college student or just want the good agronomy info, this is one event you won't want to miss. Come to the Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships Day. It's Saturday, June 24th on the Hefty Farm near Baltic, South Dakota. Learn more and register at agphd.com. Nothing but net. Win your soybean season with the fast knockdown and lasting broad-spectrum control of Elevest Insect Control from FMC. Take on army worms, stink bugs, soybean loopers, and more with the maximized ratio of premier active ingredients for better overall control of more than 40 labeled pests. Visit your FMC retailer or elevest.ag.fmc.com to up your game this season. Always read and follow all label directions. Are you ready? We got the need! Start your engines. Ready, set, in tango. Start your 
your season strong with Intego Sweet Soybeans, Intego Fungicide Soybeans, and Intego Sweet Cereals OF from Valent USA. Ask your Valent rep about seed treatment solutions or visit valent.com slash Intego. Always read and follow label instructions. Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. Brian Hefty here along with my brother Darren. We're live in the Morton studio today just talking corn leaf diseases and fungicides. So there are five main timings we kind of look at for spraying fungicide or applying fungicide in your corn crop. In furrow, and we've talked a little about Zyway today, we have been using that. We have seen some yield gain. Uh, the second timing would be V5. Now that's something we started years ago. A lot of people were running half rates along with herbicide. That way it could be done very inexpensively. You could have a strobilurin fungicide in there so you get some of the plant health benefits. And you know when you're already making a trip and you're only running a half rate because the crop's small, you don't have a lot invested. All right, so those are the first two. Then we get to these later timings. BSF talks a lot about five feet time to treat. We call it pre-tassel. That's a pretty good way to go. Just make sure you have an APE, NPE free adjuvant. If you don't, you could have arrested ear syndrome. So I don't want to scare you. The fungicide's no problem at all. You just have to put the right adjuvant with it. Just be careful. Ask your agronomist. APE, NPE free is what you're looking for. Okay, the most popular timing around the United States anyway has been full tassel. And that's been great for things like gray leaf spot, southern rust, northern corn leaf blight, and more. Here's the problem. In our geography, where we farm, we are drier. And we have tried it many years, and we've done all kinds of side-by-sides. And the only two years that it's, like, really paid big time has been 2018 and 2019 when we got double normal rainfall. Now, granted, double normal rainfall for us was about 35, 40 inches, okay? So for some people listening, they're like, what? That'd be a dry year. Anyway, my point here is it really depends on your geography, and you have to do the right thing for you, but also understand the disease the diseases that normally would hit your area, that's probably one of the biggest factors here because quite frankly, we don't have much northern corn leaf blight. We rarely have gray leaf spot. We don't have southern southern rust. We haven't seen tar spot yet. I mean, other than just a few little tiny spots very late in the season. So we haven't in our area had all these bad corn diseases that everybody else seems to talk about through much of the corn belt in the United States. So anyway, that full tassel timing for a lot of people works great. For us, it just it hasn't paid other than 2018 and 2019. And anyway, then the last one I would mention is after the full tassel application, there are some farmers who, uh, who will spray one more time about three weeks later. So those are really the five timings. If you're going to spray a fungicide, our number one recommendation is use multiple modes of action and preferably multiple effective modes of action. So if you say, hey, uh, the strobes aren't really killing a lot of my disease anymore. Well, that means you got to have an HPPD, or not HPPD, SDHI, an SDHI along with the triazole. Otherwise, you don't have two effective modes of action if the strobe doesn't work for you anymore. The good news with tar spot is the strobes do seem to be working quite well yet. So if you look at a lot of the, the products that have strobilurin fungicide components, they're excellent when it comes to 
helping control tar spot. So just something for you to be thinking about there. Uh, so you might ask, all right, you're talking about drought earlier. You guys are in drought. Yes, we have had very little rain. I was uh, at a neighbor's place the other night, like three, four miles from our, our farm here. And he said in his gauge, he has only had a half an inch of rain since the snow melted this spring. <laughs> I'm like, whew, that's, uh, that's kind of depressing. All right, so right away, you might be thinking, well, you're never going to spray a fungicide if you've had a, only had that little bit of rain. No, we're still going to spray fungicide, probably in that pre-tassel kind of timing, five feet kind of timing. We'll spray everything, but we'll make sure there's a strobe in there so we do get some of the plant health benefits like cooler uh, temperature in the canopy, uh, less ethylene production to keep the plant alive longer, more antioxidants, that kind of thing. So that will probably be the only time that we will spray. Now, if we start getting rain, then we'll spray again on our very best fields, like where I feel like we have 250 bushel plus potential, then we'll spray those fields at full tassel or maybe just a little bit after that. But, you know, again, it's, it's kind of tough with our geography for as little rain as we get to make these things pay. All right. Darren, anything else on fungicides you want to bring up? No, I think you covered it fairly well, but I get a lot of questions here beyond fungicides in the Ag PhD mailbag to get to. Yeah. Uh, hey, before we before we hit that, though, let me just make one last comment here. I've, I have talked to a number of farmers and agronomists this spring that have been all panicked because, oh, I can't get whatever, you name the fungicide, Delaro Complete or Delaro or Veltima or Revitec or, I mean, there are a bunch of them that are tight in supply, but here are two things you need to know. Number one, there are lots of great fungicides out there, and you can get some of the same modes of action. In fact, you can even get some of the same active ingredients with some of these products by buying different ones and starting to combine them together. The other thing is when we start looking at, okay, a lot of people had already spoken for or booked, or in some cases even bought some of these fungicides, uh, you look at the widespread drought now, and there are going to be some people that go, you know, I was going to do this, but now I don't think I am. And they return the product or they cancel their booking or whatever. So just keep talking to your retailer because I, I, my prediction is you're going to see a lot of fungicides free up here in the next couple of weeks if we don't start getting rain across the Corn Belt in the United States. Okay, now back to the egg peach demo bag. All right, uh, so we've got a question here that comes... Um from Zach and he said I've got some grass in my lawn that I can't get under control local weed extent or local extension agent identified it as Danthonia which would be a, a bunch grass perennial he goes to me it looks like rat tail fescue which would be an annual either way the lawn looks great in the early spring and the fall this this grass seems to come up late spring and then die off or go dormant sometime during the summer been mowing and bagging trying to get it away but here's one thing i thought you guys would find interesting both of these species don't like high fertility my original soil tests were deficient in almost all nutrients but i've been on a good fertility program and have added a thousand pounds of lime to adjust ph uh, and it's helping anything else that you guys can think of to control a grass weed in a grass lawn yeah, it's tough. So annuals, the biggest thing is just make sure it do doesn't go to seed. So that means mowing probably twice a week. Which, which is what he's doing. Yep. So uh, good strategy there. I right. love building up the fertility to let your good grass compete the best. Yep. 
if it's a perennial, then you will just want to try weakening it. So there are herbicides that can be used that, let's say, aren't the greatest for some of the perennials, but they still uh, may allow them to live. But the, the point is you want to just keep weakening them, weakening them, weakening them. So that's where we think about products like, I mean, pendimethalin is a pre. Uh, there are some others as pre's. And post-emerge, we talk a lot about drive. We talk about mesotrione or tenacity. Um, and then... You know, beyond that, very, very worst case scenario, and I hope you don't have to do that, Roundup, and you kill the whole thing and start over. If you're going to do the Roundup, by the way, you need to use the very top labeled rate. Use as much as you possibly can because you have to make sure you get great permanent control. The species of Danthonia that we have in our area, it's kind of interesting. It thrives in low fertility, low competition environments. So by creating right. strong competition with your fertility program, I think you're doing the right thing. So, But here's the thing. We talked about, I, I just said, if it was an annual, I want to make sure it never goes to seed, which means I want to cut it very often. But if we're talking about a plant that doesn't go to seed super fast all the time, I would like to let my grasses get bigger. It's just like out in pastures. You want to make sure you don't overgraze. You want to make sure in your lawn you don't overmow or basically mow it too low to the ground. So I'd kind of keep uh, ratcheting it up a little bit, and I'd keep mowing often, but don't cut much off. Only cut enough off so you would cut any seed heads, and that's it. And you want that grass tall, and so hopefully you can choke this stuff out. All right, thanks for the question, and good luck. Got a bunch more questions to get to here in the Ag PhD mailbag. We'll be right back after this short break. If you have a question, though, you can still send it in, radio at agphd.com, or just give us a call, 844-44-AG-PHD. We'll be right back. Win the war against weeds in your soybean fields with fierce herbicides from Valent USA. With three different formulations and multiple modes of action, you're sure to find the right fierce product to protect your operation from tough weeds like Palmer Amaranth and Waterhemp. Give your soybeans a strong, clean start with up to eight weeks of residual control with the powerful pre-emergence protection of fierce herbicide. Ask your local retailer or visit valent.com fierce to find the right fierce formulation for you. Always read and follow label instructions. When we told growers that New Bear Premium Trivolt Herbicide for corn delivers visibly clean fields for up to eight weeks, they were a bit skeptical. Um, we'll see how it works. So we decided to prove it. We set up cameras in multiple cornfields, treated them with Trivolt, and filmed for 24 hours a day. For eight weeks, we saw a variety of weather conditions, and Trivolt worked. See for yourself at trivoltinaction.com. Trivolt is a restricted-use pesticide. Consult your state pesticide regulator for specific restrictions. Read and follow pesticide label directions. You won't want to miss this year's Ag PhD Field Day. I'm Darren Hefty. Each summer on the last Thursday in July, we open up our farm to you so you can learn more ways to improve your farm. And the Ag PhD Field Day just keeps getting bigger and better. This year, we're featuring guided tours of our extensive research plots, world premieres of the latest ag technologies, numerous panels of the highest yielding farmers on the planet, and more equipment running in our demo area than we've ever had before. We'll also have great family entertainment, including a kid's area, music, fantastic guest speakers, and food and drinks available all throughout the day. But the best part is everything is free. 
We know that you're busy and your time is valuable. That's why we do everything we can to make sure the Ag PhD Field Day is a very worthwhile investment of your time. So please go to agphd.com to learn more and be sure to register to join us at this year's Ag PhD Field Day, Thursday, July 27th. At Corteva AgriScience, we want to keep farms healthy and productive, today and tomorrow. That's why we're investing in a robust pipeline of naturally derived biologicals. Meet Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer. It's a sustainable nitrogen fixation product that facilitates crop growth and optimizes yield potential. With the fluctuation in fertilizer prices, Utricia N is a reliable solution. It can be used alongside your traditional nitrogen program to enhance your ROI this year. For more information, visit Corteva.us. The hard-working, independent spirit of rural America can often be isolating. It's not often discussed, but mental health issues are real. Now's the time to lead by example, talk openly, and show that a strong mind is just as important as a strong body. FMC is proud to be working toward ending the misconceptions around mental health. Through awareness, guidance, and action, together we can uproot the stigma. Listening to Ag PhD Radio and right in the middle of the Ag PhD mailbag, taking your calls and questions at 844 44 ag This one from Tom up in Sandy, northern Michigan. Guess what he's going to talk about? Drought. Uh, he said, I plan on putting in sunflowers and I would like to add prowl and spartan charge for my prees. My question is, if we don't see any rain in the forecast for... Who knows when, at least a week or more. Is there a danger of a late rain causing these herbicides to hurt the sunflowers after emergence? No. No, I wouldn't worry about that. So Prowl and Spartan Charge are both fairly safe for sunflowers. And here's the the challenge with raising sunflowers. You have nothing post-emerge that's going to kill most of the weeds you're really after. You can kill grass, but in terms of killing broadleaf weeds, yeah, you got nothing. So you've got to get at least a couple effective modes of action out there pre. So we like having Prowl. We like having Spartan. The charge part of Spartan, that's AIM. So that's just a burn down only product, which is nice because Prowl gives you no burn down. Spartan's okay for burn down, but having that AIM in there, that's great. So yeah, if it's me, I'm still absolutely going to put that out there, the, the, these herbicides. And when you do get rain, then the residual will kick in. All right. Thanks for the question. And good luck with the sunflowers. I think that's a great option uh, in Sandy, northern Michigan. Okay, got this one in from Chris uh, down in Texas. And he said, what would you do to get rid of duckweed? So on top of ponds, you see little weeds growing uh, basically floating on the water like lots of little green things. And uh, anyway, Chris, uh, we don't have duckweed up here on our farm, but I, I looked at Texas A&M's work on it, and they said you can physically remove it. You can rake it off the surface of the pond, uh, or you can stock your pond with tilapia. They'll eat it. 
but you need some state approval in Texas to do that. <laughs> but then I, I'm always curious, are there herbicides that could potentially be used? And there are. But what the concern is with the herbicides, they're worried about if there's so much duckweed out there that there'll be so much decomposition of those weeds that it could potentially deplete the oxygen, which, of course, is why you want to get rid of the duckweed so it doesn't choke the oxygen off in the pond, too. So e either way, that can be a concern. But the active ingredients, Brian, here's what is going to be interesting. It's carfentrazone. AIM. Which would be the same as AIM that we use in crops. Or yeah, Stingray, I think, is the aquatic label. Yep. Flumioxazin. Yep, so Valor. Which would be Valor in crops. Or Clipper uh, for using it in water Aquatic applications. Situations. And yep. then the other one's Panoxalam, which would be Galleon. So there's a few choices of products that a guy could use. Uh, I would suggest talk to your local extension agent. They deal with that in your area, and uh, you can see what's available for you in Texas. Thanks for the question, though. We really do appreciate that, and good luck. Okay, got this one in from Bernard, who wants to come to the Ag PhD field day, but says, where is the nearest hotel I can stay in overnight? Well... We're only about 10 miles north of Sioux Falls, which is the largest city in the Dakotas, and it has thousands of hotel rooms. Otherwise, there are many other smaller towns around where you could certainly find a hotel. So you just do a little little search on the internet. And For you Sioux Falls, have no South problem. Dakota. Yep, yep, you'll be 10 or 15 minutes probably away from here, and yep. that would be that'd be great. That would be the closest place. Okay, Um Got a connect or question here from Brian in Northern Illinois. He said, "Guys, I'm a gardener, not a not a farmer, but really interested in what you guys are doing. And I'm taking a master gardener course through University of Illinois right now. And I was reading the textbook chapter on soils, and I came across a section about the importance of micronutrients. One of them being chlorine." And the textbook said soil chlorine levels are usually 2 to 20 parts per million. Most soils are not lacking, but of course, if there's too much, it could be harmful to soil microbes. I'm curious what insight you could provide for what plants need chlorine for and any experience you've got. Okay, well, first of all, we'd be talking about chloride rather than chlorine, and all plants are going to need it. A lot of times where we see deficiencies, though, is where people are not putting potassium on because the most common source of potassium is potash. And if you look at what potash is, yes, it's... And this is going to sound strange because I know potash is 0060, but it's 50% actual K. It's 60% K2O, but it's 50% actual K. Well, most of the rest of potash is chloride. So you don't have to put a whole lot of potash out there, and you got plenty of chloride. Chloride is leachable, though, so if you have lots of rain or sandy soil or something like that, you need to put a little bit out maybe every year. But generally speaking, if you're using at least some potash from time to time, you're in pretty good shape with the chloride. A lot of times we'll see more issues with the grass plants, like wheat, for example, but all plants need chloride. All right. Thank you. We got some questions that came in here from Sean, who said, I've got 20 acres and I had it professionally planted with hayseed. It's a Timothy Brome mix, but it, it's really having slow growth and I haven't been able to get fertilizer on there yet. It's a clay mix soil. It's been fairly wet and I don't want to make ruts. Uh, any suggestions for what I could do? Well, first of all, I mean, it's small, but I don't know. I think the stand looks pretty good. Now, if you listen to the show very often, you will—you probably already know what we say when it's, 
oh, we're going to combine a broadleaf crop and a grass crop together. You can do it. That's your right as a farmer here in our country um, or in Canada if you would like to combine those things. But honestly, it's a lot easier to manage each of those crops separately. So if you had 10 acres of alfalfa or whatever, I don't know you're, what you're calling hay here, and then 10 acres of timothy, it, it would be a lot easier. Then you can control the weeds better, you can fertilize more appropriately, and so on. But as I look at this, the grass, the timothy, looks really yellow. So it, yeah, it, it desperately, I believe, needs nitrogen, probably needs sulfur as well, and I don't know what other nutrients. But one of the biggest things, so moving forward, what I would encourage you to do, so the next time you're going to go seed something, I would soil test. I would make sure that I have properly fertilized and well built up that ground because I want you to think about this. A lot of nutrients that we deal with, like phosphorus, zinc, copper, even potassium to some degree, they just don't move in soil. So if you say, well, I'm, I'm going to throw fertilizer over the top now, okay, but your crop's not going to take that up very well. Will it get it eventually? Sure, but it might be 10 years. I'd like it to be now. I want, to, I want it to get used now. So if it's me, I'm going to inject it. I'm going to incorporate it. I'm going to do something to get it down in there. Then I'm going to seed. And then I don't have to worry that, oh, it, it got wet later and I couldn't get that fertilizer on for it. No, you've already put that fertilizer in the ground and now you're in good shape. Now with nitrogen and, and sulfur and boron, you have to be a little careful because those things are leachable. Depending on how heavy your soil is and how much rainfall you get, you don't want to put you know, three years worth of stuff out there or anything, but you do want enough to get that crop off to a good start. So what can you do right now? Uh, nitrogen and sulfur, most likely. Do more soil testing, see what else you need, but I don't think it looks bad necessarily, and I also don't know how thick did they seed it in the beginning. So, but I don't know. I, I guess I, I think it looks fine. All right. Thanks for the question. I get this one in from David over in Ohio. He said, you guys talk about Freelex and that that's the new improved 2,4-D. Uh, doesn't have the volatility. He said, is there another product that is a new and better dicamba? <laughs> I wish. That would be amazing. So there is Extendamax and there's Ingenia and they are they might be a slight improvement, but they are they don't solve the volatility concerns that we have, whereas Freelex seems to solve the volatility concerns that we've always had with 2,4-D. So, um, no, I, I pray that someday they will come with something with the dicamba like they developed with the 2,4-D because it is a complete game changer with that 2,4-D thing. The other question you had is, are there any other names that Freelex would come by? Any other products that contain it? Well, Enlist One has Freelex in it plus another, we'll call it Drift Retardant. So those are the only two that I know of. Now, Corteva does have a number of other products where they have done similar kind of things. So even like Remedy, there's Vastlan. And that's, if you look at it, um, in, in terms of the active ingredients, it's just a little bit different, but it's that choline, the 2,4-D choline. And, and when you see choline in there, that's one of the things that's been a reduced volatility product. Before we go, I just want to remind you our Scouting and Scholarships event is coming up this Saturday right at the Ag PhD Field Day site. I encourage you, if you have a young person heading off to school this fall, 
encourage them to come to this event. You can check out all the details at agphd.com. Thanks for listening to today's show. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.